Hello ladies and gentlemen welcome to another episode of Qualia in this episode we have a warm and yet wise guest with us Vignesh Raj we talk about his research in physics and we talk about how physics is being practiced in contemporary times we hear him reflect on things from music to free will and a lot more this episode was a chill conversation we had with him and hope you guys enjoy this episode let's get started Hey Vicky, welcome to the show. Hi Pradeep and hi Rowan. Thank you guys for inviting me. It's a pleasure meeting you guys after a long time. Yeah. So Vicky, can you please go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Vignesh Raj. Uh, and uh, people call me Vicky, friends call me Vicky. And uh, so I did my undergraduate from Madras Christian College. in physics and uh, i went on to pursue masters in physics so i completed uh, my masters from srm in chennai and uh, yeah so that's mainly about it uh, so vignesh like uh, you are a proper physics physicist so i would like to start this uh, episode with this question because like lately i have been reading uh, reading about the life of jbs haldin Uh, JBS Haldane is probably the last uh, pure scientist we humans ever uh, had pure scientist in the sense like uh, as in like the Isaac Newtons where uh, uh, Newton was just wasn't just in, uh, interested in a single discipline he was like interested in everything and everywhere his interest went so JBS Haldane i have been reading about him and uh, and he he took a lot of sacrifices for science for him science was something where he made sure like he he pursued science in order to pursue the truth for him like science was everything he he uh, the the if you read the stories of sacrifices that he uh, took for science maybe like uh, one incidence that i can recall here is uh, uh you you know that like if if we have if we if our blood turns alkaline uh, the oxygen carrying capacity of our blood is uh, gets actually low and it gets difficult for us to breathe so what he did was he wanted to make the blood acidic and he literally drank uh, diluted hydrochloric acid maybe like however dilute hydrochloric acid you can you guys could imagine like drinking hydrochloric acid is like uh, dangerous and very uh, it's like problematic so he drank hydrochloric acid he experimented on himself and he uh, he he published a result where he eventually uh, declared that uh, if if our blood gets acidic then it uh, retains uh, more oxygen uh, capturing capacity so it's like so uh, for me uh, personally it's like like held in for me i also have a personal motive that science takes me to places and uh, gives me opportunities that uh, no other uh, person or no other situations can give me so i just wanted to know your relationship with science like how uh, over the years how has your relationship with science uh, changed and like what was the expectations from this side and what you gave to this relationship i just wanted to know this so science has always been like the biggest thing for me even in my childhood days uh, 
probably I was not very studious in the sense of, you know, school achievements and so on. But I was always very curious about um, about how things worked, about how nature worked. Not exactly the technological part of how things worked. I was almost never interested in it. And uh, so it was, you know, the innocent curiousness. And uh, as I pursued science in a serious way, more proper way or getting a graduate degree in physics. So things changed a bit. I would say somewhere along the line that innocence was lost. And uh, probably I was trained to think in a way according to what according to to the rules set by you know scientists and so many generations of educational people so yeah i think that i think i was more of a curious person when i was younger in a sense that uh, i wanted to know almost everything irrespective of whether it belonged to my you know particular niche or something but now I'm more concentrated, you can see, or uh, I'm just concentrating on a few things, even inside physics. So uh, that's how it worked. And uh, I found my passion. Like, even inside physics, I found uh, the particular niches I want to work on. And uh, I'm working on it. That has been the relation with science. And uh, this might sound naive, but I I do not feel that I want to know the truth or the underlying thing between uh, behind everything now, right now, as I used to feel when I was younger, because uh, now it's just the curiosity that drives me. Even the journey is like very beautiful. Even if I don't reach the end of it, like even if I don't uh, find out the results I'm looking for, I like the journey and I like the process of research that happens actually probably i think that as you got older right i think you realize that there is no such thing as truth maybe that's why this change of perspective i mean uh the thing is that i remember when we were in college you were a person of genuine interest okay you had a lot of interest and you knew what you were talking about most of the time and yeah we we, we used to talk a lot about things but uh how do how do how have you changed as a scientist? I mean, uh, you've recently p- published a paper and stuff. So how have you changed? How has your project changed? And can you tell about your, tell about your project to us? And can you break it down in layman's terms? Yeah. Uh, so first of all, I have not published the paper yet. So the works are still going on, and uh, the research is still young. I mean, so I work in this field called high energy physics. And uh, in particular, high energy phenomenology. So what we do is there are uh, different particles you might have heard of, like many fundamental particles. Most famous of them is like electron and photon, so on. Uh, so basically, we can classify these particles into different groups, and. Uh, we literally call it a particle zoo because it's analogous to a zoo where you walk inside a zoo and uh, you find different animals classified into different you know species and so on like reptiles or 
amphibians and so on. So we can classify these particles as well. Broadly, you can classify them into fermions and bos bosons. So what are bosons? Bosons are uh, particles with integral spin, right? And uh, so again, the most famous of them is a photon. So uh, the job of a uh, boson or the bosons carry and mediate the forces. There are four fundamental forces. We know they are uh, strong nuclear force, weak nuclear force, electromagnetic force, and uh, the gravitational force. So the job of the bosons is to mediate the forces between particles. And uh, but except for the gravitational force, the theory of gravitons is not exactly clear. We have not formulated it well enough. So uh, this is about the standard model of physics, standard model of particle physics. And uh, the other group, the fermions, can again be classified into quarks and leptons. So they are also called the matter particles because they make up all the matter around us. And uh, again, quarks come in six different flavors. There are six different types of quarks. Up, down, strange, charm, bottom, and top. So these quarks come together, they interact with each other, and they make a group and form other particles. Uh, for example, three quarks make a group together and form some particles called baryons. And two quarks group together to form mesons. So uh, the terminologies are pretty confusing if you're hearing for the first time. But uh, again, baryons, the most famous one is a proton and a neutron. They are the most famous baryons. And they make up almost all the matter around us. Right. So uh, leptons, they have uh, the neutrinos and the electrons and uh, other particles like muons and toons. So I particularly work in uh, these quarks. So uh, especially in baryons. So baryons are made up of three quarks. And uh, again, I told you about the fundamental forces. So the strong nuclear force, the strong nuclear interaction happens only between uh, these quarks. That is to say, the leptons and the bosons do not undergo strong interaction. So I work in the strong interaction. And this strong interaction theory, the quantum theory for strong interaction is called quantum chromodynamics. So uh, that's. Uh, my niche and I probably like uh, what we do is to find the magnetic moments and effective masses of these baryons and a lot of them are mostly predictions because uh, they've not been found yet uh, but I hope the results turn out good and we have predicted some stuff and Soon it will be tested. In uh, they usually test these in huge particle accelerators like uh, Large Hadron Collider and SLAC in USA. So 
these particle colliders work such that two particles are collided at very high energies and uh, it produces a lot more uh, particles in between which have short lifetimes so it's it's a pretty uh, hard thing to detect and we have succeeded in doing it up to our level so uh, that's about my research so how does this work like these particle accelerators like uh, large hadron collider and stuff they send their data to you and you read the data and you come up with your observations and you formulate the theories for according to that data is that how it works so uh, this high energy phenomenology it works in both ways one is that we acquire data from all these uh, particle accelerators like uh, lhc and then uh, we insert it into our theories and into our formulae and we look at the results the other way is we formulate the theories and using that we can predict some you know data or some particles even new part uh, new particles have been found that way by a lot of prediction that happens from the theories so what i worked on particularly i had to get the data and then insert it inside some formulae and uh, compute it using some programming and then i uh, i mean i came at a result so these results some of them have been confirmed because they have been found already and they match well with the existing results and some of them are pretty new pretty novel ideas so that can be tested and i am working on a particular model so this model based uh, result can be tested and uh, the validity of this model will then be proved so vignesh the kind of research that you are talking of if if i may say so and go to a extent that uh, this is all uh, a form of experimental particle physics but since the experiments take huge resources what they do is they centralize these experiments and then scientists all over the world work on it together so uh, this is an idea that i go with about uh, these uh, kind of experiments that you are talking about so i just wanted to ask you when a lot of this physics that you are doing is done in computer screens in in form of a program or something like that and the output which you get is probably a number and you have to analyze it and then run it through multiple softwares to even understand what it's trying to say when uh, things are being done like this uh, like how do you how do you from all this chaos and cloud of programming codes and like lots of lines of codes and data and from all this cloud and all this chaos like how do you uh, it's like how do you view the beauty beauty of physics like why i'm asking this is because recently i read this uh, beautiful experiment like how they uh, discovered spin in 1932 so i think it was ulenbeck and uh, i don't remember the uh, name of other another physicist so these two physicists like they go and discover that uh, electron beam when they when it was passed through a, a inhomogeneous magnetic field Uh, so it splits into two, uh, and then this—it's because of the uh, extra quantum number of spin that they have. So, so when they when they view this result, it's mind-boggling. Where they they are able to see the two spots on the screen, and they are just fascinated by this that they publish, and 
then the whole world the whole quantum mechanics the whole field of quantum mechanics changes so yeah this is an extreme case but i just wanted to know how you understand when all of this physics is happening all of this beauty is hidden behind something which is known as a computer science yeah that's true i think it's very easy to get lost in all the tools that we use which is the programming and so on uh instead of enjoying the you know the beauty of the physics but it's very important it's very important to uh know what you're doing and to know that the tool is just to help you uh and reduce your human time and uh consumption of energy for uh, analyzing the data you received but it is very important to know that that uh, although these data are what exactly you know it shows what you found and uh what you know but it's the physics behind it the phenomenologies the the phenomenons are very important and it's very important to know them as a physicist and uh, yeah i think what you said is right it's pretty hard to enjoy all this physics in between all the you know turmoil of uh, the programming and the software part that comes with it but yeah i i make sure i always concentrate on the uh backlining underlying reasons and uh, the natural explanations for it so even if you found something new like extraordinary like the case of spin you talked about the analysis part it doesn't always come from the computer you need to know what is what and uh, so the human part of it is finding new things like you can get creative and more creative more than the the data analysis could help you the data analysis can show you results but the interpretations the way you interpret them is in your hands and your models so different models can use different types of interpretations for data so that's where the physics changes between all these yeah that's that's yeah i'm i'm okay with that answer and that's a fair answer so uh, before like moving on to some uh, other interesting things i just wanted to ask you uh, is this interest of uh, interest in high energy physics of yours uh, was it situational generic or there was a love story already brewing like i just wanted to know how you got into this specific field of physics i think this is always what i wanted to do i although i didn't know the exact term the high energy physics i came to know it later very late in my life so i've always wanted to go for the big questions right the most you know metaphysical or you know the biggest question but the easiest to ask like where does the universe come from where how are we all formed and what when did the universe begin the big bang and all that it always fascinates me like it fascinates everyone but uh i used to think that it is all astrophysics and i need to go into astrophysics to get that but i understood that there is a lot to do with the field theories and the particles behind them and that's where it all comes from the root of all this um i can both you know attack the small pro- smallest level problems like uh, quantum versions of gravity or something up to huge scales like uh 
like a black hole or something of that sort so i think i've always loved this kind of a field although i didn't know the terminology for it but and uh, when i went into srm fortunately i found a professor that was doing research in this field and i immediately approached him and things went happy from there actually to be honest right why we were all fascinated about space is that space is where the magic happens okay exactly what you just said the smallest of the governing dynamics and the largest of the governing dynamics it happens there okay like for example you guys should remember right we were once completely consumed with the idea of this casimir effect like how a particle and antiparticle pairs pops up out of empty space near the event horizon of a black hole and one out of this pair a, the matter or anti, anti the particle or antiparticle one of these go into the black hole because it was it moved into the other side of the event horizon and the other comes into this universe okay so things like this you look at this okay casimir effect is a quantum phenomenon at the same time it was a, it was contributing in one way or another to hawking radiation i guess right so the thing is here is where here you don't have lorries okay here you don't have trains here you just have the smallest of things doing the biggest of deeds right i think that's what's so interesting about space i was listening to this podcast of uh, joe rogan with roger pedros okay i was completely consumed for about 3 hours okay he he talked about things like quantum consciousness he said how the physics of consciousness works and stuff like it's pretty fascinating man i mean uh, once you start looking at space and once you build this love for space right i think it never goes actually and uh, that's one of the things which makes me want to come back to physics even if i have realized that i have moved like really far away from physics and at the same time with you since you brought about your metaphysical interest i think we have to talk here like we've had a lot of heated debates right philosophical and metaphysical i mean uh, you've had some you've had some strong opinions too so what i would like to ask is today we will we will tackle this question from a metaphysical point of view okay physicists and why we were interested in physics where uh, why we were interested in physics was mainly because of we could solve the mystery like we could solve the truth like what einstein did like what newton did i thought we, we used to think that it was naive but we used to think that we would be able to do something like that but as reality hit and as we see progressively what real physics is i think uh, we all fell back and we realized that we couldn't go for the truth anymore now the ultimate goal there it has been compromised but still you found a different way of loving physics like today you have you see you see a community of scientists contributing so you realize that you can't be the one who can come up with all the answers so now you can you can contribute but you can contribute to a very specific niche right so what i want to ask is the physics as we used to know and as we used to love is dead now more or less because today you see with the advent of machine learning and data science what i think is today you just feed the data of any collider into an algorithm and it is going to give you coefficient it is going to tell you which of these things matter okay so but in 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 olden days if this didn't matter okay this didn't matter for pythagoras or it didn't matter for the large amount of massive massive minds that we had in the last century bertrand russell paul dirac it didn't matter for them because everything they did they had to do on their own but today you see with the advent of data science especially it everything has been revolutionized it has 
today you just feed the data and you get to see what patterns are rising you get to see what are the anomalies that you observe and you can even obtain the you know reasons for that anomaly so don't you think that physics has been has become more and more computational rather than it is originally physics today because every physics student today especially in most of the premier institutes they ask the students to be really good at programming so most of the work is today done by computers so we don't we are not going to find anything ground break i mean does it haunt you the fact that computer is a computer is going to be the thing that is going to discover the next truth about the governing dynamics of the universe and it's not going to be a human yeah i can understand what you saying but personally it doesn't haunt me as much as it's supposed to uh because the i personally don't have the what the personal ego of finding something at least not now i used to have like you said when we were all kids i wanted to be the one who solves the biggest mystery like like say quantum gravity or something but uh it is computers that are doing the jobs in the sense of uh like i said it should be used as a tool and should be considered a tool and the it is a help from a tool that helps us to find these answers and uh, i think the human part of it is still uh, great in the sense that can you repeat the last part of it? it's like you just feed the data and it is going to give you the equation that you have it, it may be linear it may be it may be of any dimension okay it gives you the equation it gives you the coefficients so you can know like which factor matters and which factor does not matter so i mean doesn't that take the pressure out of physics uh, vignesh i'll just reflect on pradeep's question i'll just add more to that add a layer more so recently i saw an algorithm which solved an ordinary differential equation using deep neural networks so i what i think is haunting pradeep and me and other physicists like us is that in that algorithm what happens is we don't know how the computer is solving it we don't know if it's using this method a or method b or method x or method y we don't know what it's using but it's giving the right answer i think when in future these neural networks this ai this machine learning if it develops to a level where even the complex or complex physics problems are solved in the same way where we don't know how it's solved but we still are able to get the answer correctly then what happens to physicists like us maybe anxious about the future but i think this is something that worries me too i guess that's true to an extent because uh, it uh, like i said it takes all the fun out of uh, solving it yourself instead of relying on something as powerful as you know artificial intelligence or uh, the neural networks and uh, again it, it is pretty haunting what you said that it, it we don't know what method it uses to solve these equations um but again i think that is where the evolution of science led us and uh, although it takes all the you know not all the joy out of it but takes the fine parts like you know the happiness of solving it yourself like our predecessors did but again you should you know all the fields have evolved this way and not just physics i mean 
all of the science and even all even many of the sports like say playing chess or something has evolved uh, similarly and yes so i think you are right to honest yeah so i didn't ask that question you know it's a, i know it's a bummer especially for people who do physics and mathematics right i think that is the most noblest of pursuits in my opinion okay that was one of the reasons why i chose to study physics because man uh, you see it's one of the most difficult things to do and people have been doing it for not just now they have been doing it for thousands of years now so why i feel that see uh, you said you said something about the ego of knowing the truth right what i feel is the whole point of doing these things is that and the whole point of people working day and night to create artificial intelligence is to create something that's better than them okay i mean see let's 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 talk this okay let's talk about the law of conservation of energy or information whatever okay now you see uh you know that you know that you're going to drop a ball from a certain height it is going to jump to the same height once it bounces maximum okay now at the same way let's think about this let, let us take human capital the human intellectual capital and we are building something some artificial intelligent being imagine it turns out more smarter and more you know really agile really agile than us okay think about that thing okay where is the law of conservation of energy or information here i mean i know i know there is a lot of loopholes in this argument but something like that why do we want to do something which could even mean the end end to us right ai could destroy us i mean a lot of people have been advocating against research in ai but still why do we want to do it i think i think in some ways right we 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 want to play god and i think people who does physics and mathematics right in some way they discover the underlying enigma which is the universe and i think that way i think they play god with it i think i think that i don't think i know for a fact that that's why i wanted to do physics i wanted to do it because i wanted to feel that okay i know about things which a lot of people don't know about and at the same time i could discover things which no one knows about i felt a bigger sense of purpose an existential purpose in this that's why i did physics so it is quite a nightmare and comes as quite a bummer to me when i hear that computers could solve these things faster than us and it could solve it in a way that we couldn't even interpret it so yeah that was the whole point of that question we came in yeah as much as it haunts you it haunts me too but then still i still love playing god i mean see uh, people are trying to play god by discovering the governing dynamics of physics and the universe and at the same time on other another way people are trying to play god by creating something which is more powerful and which is completely unhandleable by them okay now when these two collide i think that these people who are trying to play god are consuming this population so i just think again it is the survival of the fittest maybe some day we might feel that see and ai has had you can't rely on the prospects of ai because ai has had like couple of winters already i mean when it was completely hyped and at after a point it was like it was not doable so it is completely possible and physics has been around for like what since humans started to think since since humans started to look at space physics has been there for a long time but there is a very small possibility that but for period it is a great possibility that physics could be consumed by ai because it is already consumed by data science so i just wanted to ask that question now that pradeep told play god play god like thrice or four times in a sentence 
I wanted to shift this conversation of ours from physics to biology and ask a philosophical question. Yeah, I know that's a lot of subjects in one line, but still, uh, I ask this to people, interesting people who I meet, because I am always like, it's always fascinating how uh, interesting their perspectives and replies get. So uh, a couple of uh, months back, I started reading this book called Behave by Robert Spolosky. So he's a neuroscientist, neurobiologist. He's a uh, he's a great scientist. Like his his course on Stanford on cognitive thinking is like very famous, and he has written this book of say 700 pages on human uh, behavior, uh, why we get aggression and stuff like that. So in his book, he argues. Uh, so and and a disclaimer that I didn't read the complete book and uh, the the couple of hundred pages that I read, uh, the, he, he strongly argues that humans are basically uh, controlled by these four things. First is their genetic makeup. That is how the sperm and uh, egg form a human, like form the gene. And, and from the gene, the human develops. And second is his childhood environments. In the sense, the the things that Freud talks, like uh, how a uh, childhood incident can affect us after going an adult like how a childhood incident transforms us into like an adult and third is the hormones that our bodies make up because like a lot of our behavior is uh, controlled by these hormones and and fourth is the situations the situations in the sense like where we are expected to react behave so these situations so in a way he, he basically tells us that humans have no free will and these are these four things control a human's life so so i just wanted to know your perspective or uh, vignesh like what like how has your experience of life been like uh, his 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 sole idea is that humans are these complex species that are governed by these four laws like these four forces as we talk in physics like the four fundamental forces he says these four four, four forces of uh, environment genes hormones and childhood incidents make up what we are and it all depends how we turn out to be so i just wanted to know your perspective on it that's uh, almost exactly what my perspective is as well that really some support you said because yeah i think about the free will Okay, I, even I think that factors or the chemical and biological factors and the physical factors can is is what controlling the our minds and our brains. Where, but uh, I'm not really sure if it's all predictable in a sense because uh, I have a similar perspective that it is controlled by them, but. I don't think it is predictable in the sense that, again, leave apart the, all the quantum implications that lets you that forbids you from predicting something. But even then, again, it's just too much for us to work on. But uh, yeah, my perspective on this matter is yes. What you have said almost summed up. I'm interested in the book and we have to take a look at it later. So. Hey, actually, since we're speaking about free will, right? I have to pitch in here, okay? Uh, you know, I've been lately reading Nietzsche, right? What Nietzsche says is there is no question of non-free will. I mean, you can't 
you can't neglect free will okay there is just two kinds of will one is the weak willed and the strong willed the weak willed people they wish to believe anything okay like for example even the biological factors that you propose let us say for let us say for example that someone is it someone feels responsible for all their actions okay in this way they don't give much control to the world over them right at the same time let's say someone believes that there is nothing called free will someone believes that everything that is happening is some way is is in every way not in their control okay for someone who believes that they have the vantage point and they have the audacity to blame everything that's around them for what at the end of the day all of these linguistic complexities and everything has been structured for one single thing to live and to survive and to thrive right so if this is the whole point of life i mean why why, why do we have to feel that we are not in control i mean this very moment you could control what you can do right i mean at ultimately it is going to be that action is going to be a factor of the four things that you mentioned or could be there could be a fifth factor which could contribute to it but actually what nature says is that people who are weak willed they believe that there is no free will okay and this is the whole point of why he pushes people to pursue religion he says that even though he criticizes religion he says that some way religion gives people to believe in something okay and that belief right that very act of belief is out of free will because you can either choose to believe in god or you cannot choose to believe in god and there is something called pascal's wager where he makes this argument he makes this classic rational argument of believing in god he says that let us assume that christianity is false in that case a non believer does not gain anything at the same time a believer does not gain anything but let us say that christianity is true and there is salvation then the believer lives a life lives a life forever in heaven after this life but the non believer doesn't get to live that okay i mean there are loopholes to this too but this this is something called pascal's wager okay but what this illustrates is that to believe in god to believe in your ultimate evidence of existence to believe in your in the ultimate question of existence is something that is in your hand right i mean we are agnostic by choice right so what i feel is the question of non free will i mean we can we can we can bend language in all fancy ways to come up with arguments that we don't have a free will but i think that when you feel in control in life right i think i i think that free will i believe in free will that's what makes me want to wake up every day that's what makes vicky want to do research in high energy physics that's what makes you want to open surface evolver and start you know working i mean isn't that free will shouldn't we like be thankful that we have that free will maybe it's kind of the initial value problem that we have in physics sorry to the audience because there's a lot of physics talk today but what can we also do because life is eventually physics so sorry for that but uh, i think biology is facing the initial value problem that physicists talk about uh, in a sense that a coin toss is completely random but physicists say that if you know all the variables of the coin involved then you could eventually predict what the coin would do it would be a, would it be a heads or a tail so i think biologists are facing this problem today where they are saying that if you know the all these four 
factors which I previously mentioned, if we know everything about this and how it has shaped you, we could maybe predict the behavior of a human. So I don't know, it's just something that has always fascinated me. And I just wanted to put it out there through this episode. So Vicky, I want you to I want you to come up with one personality, maybe a physicist or non-physicist, a fiction writer or a fiction character, someone, and tell me why why you think they are amazing. When you ask that question, the first person that comes into my mind is Feynman. Uh, to be honest, you are the one who, you know, kind of introduced me to Feynman because you used to talk a lot about him and I was fascinated by that. So Feynman is something different. He had something different from other physicists, which is like, he was very curious. He was immensely curious and he didn't control it back. He didn't, he, he let it show on his face. You can know when a person is curious. Right? And uh, he was also very, you know, he used to, <laughs> he used to play the bongos at music clubs and, uh, he had different interests and even some, he used to get into mischiefs like picking locks and, you know, so on, right? I think he was, he was even uh, once when they were working on the Manhattan Project and uh, he used to pick locks at, at their secret, society, secret buildings and uh, many people complained against him and he was again, there were, you know, even severe actions taken against him from using more uh, secret facilities. So that's interesting about him because uh, he did not forget to be his human part. I mean, the other human part, other than his curiosity, he did not, he did not compromise it for anything else. His status or his stature as a big physicist and a professor. Actually, I think that's amazing. Actually, uh, there is this conception, there was this conception that physicists and mathematicians, these people who do science, right, they're all basically nerds. I think Feynman broke that stereotype. And moreover, he is the one who started popularizing physics. Uh, I think even Carl Sagan, he used to derive from Feynman when he started the whole art of science communication. I think Feynman has inspired around, and mil- inspired millions of people all around the world to pursue physics or to pursue scientific discipline. That's one amazing person, Vicky. Yeah, I could also agree to that. Maybe I think all the physicists would agree that Feynman has in a way been a major force in their career. Uh, So Feynman is a legend, man. So yeah. And then moving on, like uh, Vicky, uh, recently that anything you came across, maybe you read, watched, heard, which like refused to leave your mind. It was like an Indian guest which refused to leave your house. Anything that you read or watched or maybe heard, like anything. Yeah, so uh, I was recently watching this reality show. It was, I'm not sure if it's X Factor or, you know, America's Go Talent or something. So uh, there was a singer and uh, her stage name was Nightbird. So she was uh, suffering from you know, final stage of cancer or something. She only had a few months to survive. And uh, she came up and she, she gave a rocking performance. She was a singer. And uh, she, she actually quoted something that stuck to my mind. She said that uh, 
tells you can't wait until life is in hard anymore before you decide to be happy so it it really you know reminds me of the sole purpose of what i am living for is happiness i want to be happy every day if i am happy doing science i'll do science if science doesn't make me happy i will stop it so it's as simple as that and i think people should take life as simple as that and uh, at last the goal is to be happy and uh, people forget it along the race or, or or the competitional part of it gets the better of people that's what stuck in my mind for a long time now yeah actually uh, they say that we learn a lot from we learn from every people that we meet right like for you what i learned is that i learned to be indifferent to everything okay because i used to see you 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 don't get angry you have this constant state of mind you you keep smiling and you have this constant state of mind i mean uh, you're not a person i mean i can't say that you don't let things bother you but you're a person who doesn't react easily right so i think that's such a remarkable character of you and uh, i used to i used to like i envy it and sometimes that's that's one thing i learned from you like if i want to be indifferent to something i think about i i used to i do this okay i think like how how does vicky do this i used to do that okay so the thing is that man i think this attitude that you have towards life right looking at it like real simple i mean even though it can be people even though others can see flaw in it even though others can't make sense out of it you do things because you you feel that it it works for you right so i think that that's a really good trait and vicky uh, let's talk music okay so how's your music been going so uh music yes so i've not been actively participating in music in the sense that uh i'm not playing the instruments like i used to before but uh i've not completely stopped it but yes it has suddenly gotten lesser and uh but i'm exploring other kinds of music like you know the completely different instruments and the ancient types of music and even the local music local to every part of the world uh, i'm listening to music from every genre i could find and uh, especially independent artists are doing a great job now it's like uh, so i have been listening to a lot of you know spanish french german music and they're doing great and uh, it gives me new perspectives of music and also i want to get into you know western classical music like listening to some greats like uh you know schubert and uh, so on but i've not yet i've not yet uh, started to i think that i think the listening the western classical is more active than other kinds of music because uh, it does something to you and it it kind of it kind of uh, makes you actively participate in what they are doing so i think again that's a form of music and uh, so but not like the instruments we used to play before i mean we used to have a lot of jam sessions before that has certainly reduced but yeah actually i am quite sad about the jam sessions too 
even i didn't get a lot of jam sessions after we parted ways from mcc so how is the blues vicky you still listen to the blues no it's been a long time since i have listened to the blues i mean i yeah i certainly used to listen to a lot of blues but i know you listen to a lot of blues and uh, of course of uh, course every day yeah i mean i should thank you guys you guys introduced to me introduced me to that genre actually i mean see the reason i picked up the guitar was because of you and nikhil right and it has given me something that i didn't have in life before i mean i don't skip a day of practice if i don't have to so yeah man i should i have you i have to thank you for that too so that's why i just wanted to ask about music now that sadeep brought up music like i can't resist myself from asking this question like uh, I, i have seen a lot of physicists and basically scientists who are like uh, who are great scientists and great minds and they it's like they also play a uh, instruments like they also are very heavily involved in uh, music right the famous example is albert einstein where we we all know that he was a excellent physicist like high calibrated physicist and at the same time he was an excellent violin player so so uh, what's this thing between music and uh, science because like since i am like i have not been it's like playing any music or i don't even know uh, the alphabets of the music theory i don't even know Uh, anything about music but i just wanted to ask you because like you have been doing both so i just wanted to ask like how is this how this works like how science and music what's the interplay between science and music that's true what you have said i think uh i think music has given me a lot of you know happiness but again from the scientific part even that is right it, it, you know training music at a young age is really good it's really good for your brain it gives you uh, you know a lot of coordination even between your you know mind muscle coordination okay, if you're playing drums you need the coordination between all you know two of your hands and two of your legs and the rhythm is it gets crazy as you get higher and higher so you need to keep up to all that the coordination between your mind and muscle is very nice i mean it gets very good and uh, also beyond that i think even playing piano or violin like you said it it, it gives you a i'm not sure what it is but uh, yeah uh, i think like the word you were looking for is like chills it might be chills vicky right sometimes like sometimes i remember when nikhil used to play a chord we used to get this vibe i think you remember like some things right they just resonate well with you and the thing about music for me is i started like very late i started when i was 18 and that what fascinates me about music is that there is order in music okay there you have this specific set of notes you play this after this you get like really smooth and really good to hear music but at the same time real music is when you play when you bring chaos into it you play two right notes and you go for a third note which doesn't have any relationship i mean that that's where the magic happens i think the brain craves for chaos when you listen to some new music you don't even though you want some patterns in there you want some things to be you want some chaos in there i think i want some chaos there so yeah i think that that thing about finding patterns and finding chaos in patterns and pattern in chaos 
I think this resonates with what we have in science. So I think maybe that's the reason why scientists are mainly attracted to music and stuff. Yeah, that's what I got. And and maybe to add on to what you said, maybe I I also feel that uh, you know uh, there is this. Uh, uncontrollability in science which is involved you can't just wake up one day and you are solving hard problems you are solving difficult problems you just don't wake up one day and you decide that i'm going to solve this today and the solution appears at the end of your work day so you have to end your work day without actually solving the problem you have to end that you have to give up for at least for 12 hours say you go home and take rest and come back again to your office so with all this uncontrollability with all this powerlessness i feel that music gives this order like music gives this idea that everything is still in control so i i'm just like thinking aloud here i don't have any clear uh, evidence for this but it's it's an idea i had so uh, vignesh like uh, our our listeners love recommendations our listeners uh, mail us that they they love the books that we recommend our guests recommend they love the movies that we talk about so so vignesh like any uh, movie book or uh, any any anything any any uh, youtube channel audio podcast any recommendations that you that you continuously like regularly listen to and find it very like find it awesome enough to uh, recommend it to our listeners so yeah go ahead like yeah so recently i've been playing a lot of chess and this is this is a personal recommendation i mean <laughs> i think you should, you guys should try playing chess yeah this is a sport recommendation again i've been watching a lot of channels in chess like uh about you know the hikaru gm hikaru he has a great channel and uh, gotham chess channel it's in youtube they simplify things and make i mean it, they, i got a new passion for chess i've been playing chess for i mean i've been playing madly for about 3 months now so uh, i would advise you to look at their uh, youtube channels if you if you are interested in chess but again books i i'm reading a book called wild by cheryl street and uh, so it's the story of a girl who who takes on this hiking trip 4000 mile hiking trip from that starts from mexico and she goes across uh, usa into canada so it's a huge hiking trip and she's not a professional hiker she's just a normal person like you and me and uh, it's amazing that she took it up and it it again a lot of values of life is reflected there in her story where uh, she had to face some troubles and then she decided that this is what is right for me she needed an escape but i think that a lot of people could start escaping into reality uh by doing such things even without you know facing any much troubles i mean it just makes the life easier and happier for you i guess so that's a book i would really recommend it's wild and uh, again my favorite recommendation <laughs> this again might sound naive is harry potter so i grew up in on harry potter harry potter the movies and harry potter the books i would definitely recommend the books 
because uh, again i needed an escape and the magical world that was showed in harry potter it was it was the escape for me i need i craved for something like that i craved for a magical world where i could get things done with just a wave of the wand and uh, but although it's you know highly you know fantastical or it's a huge fantasy i would recommend it even to readers who just like you know reality and stuff because it introduces you into new things and again gives you many life values i guess i got a lot of my life values from there so harry potter again so wiki we are now at the end of the show and i want to thank you for coming here and spending a sunday with us and thanks a lot man thanks a lot it means a lot and it has been great having a conversation with you after this vlog and listeners you should look at this you should look at the kind of people that we are bringing for you look at this guy we asked him to recommend something and he is recommending and he is recommending us a 2000 year old game so we are bringing you perspective we are bringing you interesting new people and thanks a lot vicky thanks for the recommendation thanks for spending time with us i think it's amazing what you're doing and forget the question about data science and artificial intelligence consuming physics physics will always be beautiful every advance in artificial intelligence it owes a thousand times to physics so it's one of the most noble pursuits and i'm happy that as a, as my friend you're getting to do it and you're getting to do it at the most fundamental level and thanks a lot vicky thanks a lot for coming on the show thank you man thank you thanks a lot for bringing me here actually i was very excited when you called me and uh, yeah it's been a nice conversation after a long time so you guys are doing a great job with your podcast and i'm sure there's a lot of work involved behind the scenes where a lot of editing and stuff happens so keep going and uh, yeah keep in touch that's it for this episode of qualia hope you guys enjoyed it and do send us your valuable feedbacks to make qualia a better listening experience you could reach us out on instagram or send us a mail at pod.qualia@gmail.com at